chapter 22. Mark chapter 22. Oh, excuse me. Luke. Jeez, whiz. I knew there was a pause there for a reason. Luke. 22. Luke 22. Mark didn't write that much. Luke 22. That's the next book over. That's the next book over. Luke 22. Look at two people and say, obedience matters. Y'all tired of me talking about obedience yet? Good. Because I'm going to talk about it. Uh, look at somebody else and say, part three, part three, part three, part three. In your hearing, I'll read New Revised Standard Version, three verses, Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 42. When you have found it, Lord, thank you for your word. Let it be a lamp unto my feet. light into my pathway. Help me to hide it in my heart that I might not sin against you. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but Yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. This is the word of God for the people of God. Blessed be the name of God. Father, thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Thy servants hear thee. Use me now in a way that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my redeemer. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Will you look to your left, look to your right, and say, neighbors, good to see you this morning. Amen, 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 amen. 
Amen. Could I trouble you to welcome our virtual guest this morning? Amen. 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 Give God praise for each one of you, for Reverend Fun, for our doorkeepers, for our music ministry this morning. Amen. Lottie Daddy. Everybody. I need to meet Lottie and Dottie one day. So I can ask them how they got caught up in this. Amen. Obedience matters. Two weeks ago, in part one, we dealt with Jonah, his story of disobedience. We found in the first chapter of his book, we put together understanding what happens when disobedience takes place and how everyone can be affected by the choice of an individual. Last week in part two, we looked at the life of Ezekiel, another one of the Old Testament prophets, and how he found himself in a valley full of many dry bones. And in this valley, he was tasked with bringing life to that which was dead, not something that seemed to be dead, but that something that actually was dead. He, we talked about how Ezekiel had to make the conscious decision to do something he had never done before in order to get a result he had never received. Amen. We talked about how he had to look beyond what he saw with his natural eyes to get to where he could see God do the impossible with his spiritual eyes. We talked about how the valley is a place of blessing, not a place of cursing. It was Ezekiel's obedience that brought life to a dead situation. Here we are on today, this first Sunday in September, this consecrated day of Communion Sunday. We want to take a moment to remember the Lord's sacrifice through a process called obedience. Going back to Jonah's story, we see how obedience can bring about tragedy, raging storms, negative consequences, disobedience. And in Ezekiel's story, we can see how obedience brings life and positive com consequences. But this life was temporary. It was life that allowed something that was once dead to live again, but would naturally die once more. In the story of Jesus, we can see that obedience brings not just life, but eternal life. In fact, the entire story of Jesus is one that speaks to removing all excuses. For why we can't do a certain thing. It was Jesus who watched humanity fall in the Garden of Eden and understood that he would eventually be the sacrificial lamb of the slaughter. It was Jesus 
who knew when he gave his life, it would be for people that wouldn't even accept him as Lord and as Savior. It was Jesus who understood that he had to be an example to a hard-nosed, stiff-necked, stubborn, headstrong humanity that would reject him as their Messiah, even his own people. But look at somebody and say, he did it for me. He, he did it for me. Yeah, you didn't say it like you meant it, but it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I know some of y'all still on Saturday. It's okay. It's okay. There's nothing new that I can tell many of you this morning about the man we call in English Jesus of Nazareth. But in case someone is hearing about this man for the first time, I would dare to introduce him to you this way. He is the only begotten son of the living God. He was born of a virgin we named Mary by a divine touch of the God of creation. He was reared in the household of a Jewish carpenter who went by the name of Joseph. He was the oldest of Mary's children. Some of y'all didn't know he had siblings. But the only one divinely given by the hand of God. He was a man who we read walked on water, gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He gave the ability to walk to the lame. He caused the sick to be healed. He set the captive free. He delivered the possessed and the addicted. He was able to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty. He was able to open up the scriptures and give divine Holy Ghost inspired teachings that brought the word of God to life. This man named Jesus is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. This man named Jesus was seated on his glorious throne at the right hand of the Creator in splendor and in royalty and in majesty. But one day, look at somebody and say one day. One day he decided to save a wretch like I was. He decided to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice for my sins. He decided that Lamar was worth dying for. And so he came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. And he did all of this through one act, an act of obedience. Excuse me, I got a little bit excited talking about Jesus. It was his obedience. It was his obedience to a call that no other man could answer that gave us the key to eternity. It was his obedience to a call that no other man could answer that allows us the opportunity to make it out of this mean old world and into glory. It was his obedience to a call that no other man could answer. Y'all missed it. That defeated the adversary of mankind and made him a loser from the very beginning. But this, watch this, this decision of obedience did not come easy. Jesus obeyed after seeing Adam turn his back on God. Jesus obeyed after witnessing mankind turn to the nature of sin and his father had to flood the entire earth in Noah's day. Jesus obeyed after watching the Israelites that God 
delivered from the hand of Egypt try to go back because they couldn't deal with the wilderness. Jesus obeyed knowing that the only reason he was born was to die. Jesus obeyed. Watch this. No matter how things looked, Jesus obeyed no matter how things felt. Jesus obeyed no matter how uncomfortable things got around him. That is why it is important for us to understand that obedience matters. It was in Gethsemane, Deacon Swan, that Jesus had to make a choice. Do I continue? Do I move forward? Do I allow, watch this, do I allow, let me say it again, do I allow myself to be the sacrifice? Jesus knew the pain that he was going to have to go through. Jesus knew he would have to deal with the emotional pain of betrayal. Come here, Judas. Before we take it too hard on him, come here, Peter. He, he, he knew he was going to have to deal with the emotional distress of looking around for somebody just to pray for him and, and pray with him, and he would find nobody by his side. Jesus knew that he would have to deal with the physical pain, understanding that he wasn't just sent to die, but he understood how the Romans treated certain criminals. He understood that he would be beat until they couldn't recognize him. He understood that he would be nailed to a cross and left there to suffer, bleed, and to die. He understood that he would have to go through all of this. He knew not just about the emotional and the physical pain, but watch this. He knew that he would have to deal with the spiritual pain of taking on the sin of the world and being temporarily separated from his father. And he did all of this with a conscious mind because he had me on his mind. Hiya, Basha. Yeah, he, he, he did all of this understanding that there was going to be a day when God would call me and I would run in the opposite direction. He did all of this understanding that even when he gave his life for me, he knew that there was going to be a day that I would hesitate giving my life for him, yet he thought enough of me that he decided to be obedient to the call of God on his life, and he gave us an example because he didn't allow excuses. Y'all ought to be familiar with excuses. I've been black and Baptist my whole life. We always got at least two of them. We always got at least two of them. And when we can't find one, we'll make up one. Jesus, his story, his example takes away all of the excuses. In fact, in our text, 
familiar story to some, unfamiliar to others, we find Jesus choosing obedience over how he was feeling. That was a good place to be quiet because I wanted to make sure you heard that. He chose obedience over how he was feeling. He, he chose obedience over what he was thinking. He chose obedience over the fact that what he was getting ready to do had never been done before. Yet he still chose obedience. Jesus had every reason to come up with an excuse. He had every right, watch this, to call down angels from heaven. It wasn't his sin he was dying for. In fact, there's nothing that you have been tempted with that Jesus himself was not tempted with. He just happened to survive and give us the example that if I keep my mind stayed on the things of God, that even when the weapon and the adversary come up against me to eat up my flesh, David said they will stumble and they'll fall. Chooses obedience over how he was feeling. I, and, 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 and I know how important that is because watch this, sometimes I don't feel like praying. I ain't talking about y'all saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost feel folks. I'm, I'm just talking about me because sometimes I don't want to pray. Watch this. Sometimes I don't want to pray for certain people because I feel like I'm just praying the same prayer over and over for somebody that purposely don't want to do right. I know I'm, I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about myself because every once in a while, Lamar has to learn how to pray for Lamar because Lamar won't get Lamar together. So every once in a while, Lamar's got to deal with Lamar. Every once in a while, I don't feel like going to choir rehearsal. Sometimes I don't feel like going to church. Every once in a while, I don't feel like getting out of the bed, but I got to learn how to choose obedience over how I feel. Because if I'm not careful, my feelings will cause me to miss the blessing that God has for me. I don't feel like going to the bank because they just going to tell me no. Yeah, they're going to tell you no now because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You already said they're going to say no, so there is no point in you going down there. The doctor didn't give me any good news. You shouldn't have asked him for the good news. The good news is in the word of God. By his stripes, I am healed. Stop looking for a good report from the wrong people. Some of y'all got some friends in your life. That you run to trying to get an answer, trying to get a prayer, and they praying on you instead of praying for you. Y'all missed that. That's back there on the wall. Come on back down here. Let me say that again. Some of y'all got people in your lives that are praying on you instead of praying for you. And the problem is you are so stuck and attached to them that you can't realize that God is trying to separate you from the sandbags in your life that are keeping you from going to the next level. Look at somebody and say, take inventory, take inventory, take inventory. And you've heard me say it before, don't be surprised when you start looking around at some of your kinfolks. Jesus, he chooses obedience despite how he was feeling. Here he is in Gethsemane. I've probably preached on this 20 times since I've been here. Y'all might be tired of hearing about it. I don't care. Amen. Amen. I like this story. It's a good story. Yep. Yep. 
There's a whole lot more sermons in here than what I've already preached. Gethsemane, the pressing place, is at the bottom of a hill called Olivet, where they collect the olives. They bring them down to the garden. They place them in the press, and it's in the press where pressing and pressure takes place. This is where they extract the oil from the olive. It's in this place, Gethsemane, the place of pain. Watch this. The place of agony that Jesus still chooses obedience. Watch this. We got to pay attention to what happens here. Jesus didn't choose obedience when everything was going good. Jesus didn't choose obedience while the sun was shining. Jesus didn't choose obedience when all the bills were paid and, and he was in a good spot with the Lord. Jesus didn't choose obedience when his health was good, when his money was straight, when, when, when he had people around him. The disciples were there. <laughs> Jesus chose obedience in a situation where many of us would have given up. In fact, Jesus, who was all alone here in this place of prayer because the disciples were around, but he had to separate himself because he understood that they couldn't go with him to that next place. He first had to deal with the loneliness of his mission. Can I help somebody right here? Sometimes you're going to have to walk this walk alone. Mama will be gone. Daddy will be gone. Friends will desert you, but you've got to still choose obedience even if you got to choose it all by yourself. Not only was Jesus alone, but the weight of his assignment here in these three verses, it shows us how the weight of the assignment on his life begins to get heavy. In fact, it's, begotten, it's gotten heavier than it has been through his entire life. This means that you've got to choose obedience even when the call gets heavy. You won't always feel like doing what's right. You won't always feel like praying, singing, testifying. Watch this. You won't always feel like staying with God. I'm, 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 there's a certain group of people I'm talking to right here. Because if you ain't careful, every once in a while, you'll look to God and say, I don't need this, and I don't need you. If it's going to be this bad with you, I might as well have stayed in the world. I, come on, somebody. But it's in that moment that we've got to remember, if I've got to go through the struggle, I want to go through it with the Lord. If I've got to deal with sickness, I want to deal with it. With Jehovah uh, Rapha, the God who heals. If, if I've got to deal with a storm, I want to deal with, Egypt, with Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. If, if I'm going to live unholy and be in unrighteousness, I want to do it with Jehovah Sidkenu, the God of righteousness. Because obedience, obedience is that thing which will carry you through. The assignment, the Bible says, got so heavy that Jesus had to pray himself through what he was going through. He couldn't look to his left and find anybody. He couldn't look to his right and find anybody. He found himself literally in a place where he was all alone and he had to muster up enough faith in who his daddy was to pray himself through this situation. Can I tell you, 
what the drops of blood symbolize, what we, what, we, what we fail to realize when we talk about this story is that Jesus wasn't praying to get out of going to the cross. Jesus was praying, watch this, let me challenge you this morning, so that he could make it to the cross. Uh-oh. 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 When we look at let this cup pass from me, he's not talking about having, uh, ha getting out of jail. He's not talking about removing himself as the sacrifice. The cup that he wants to pass from him is, watch this, the, the adversary showing up in the garden at Jesus' prayer time. Ooh, that was so good it made me hungry. It was in his prayer time, watch this, that the adversary came to see him. You wonder why you can't pray more than 30 seconds without your eyes getting heavy. It's because when we go to prayer, the Satan wants to keep us from getting a message to Jesus and from him getting a message to us. So that's why when you start to pray, your eyes get heavy, your body gets tired, the, the phone starts ringing, the baby starts crying, somebody comes knocking on your door because it's in your prayer time that you get closer to him and he gets closer to you. So while Jesus is praying, he's not praying to get out of the situation, he's praying to be able to stay in the situation because he knows, watch this, he knows that if Satan gets in this garden and starts messing with him, he'll kill him right there. It'd have been okay. Yes, yes, it would have been okay yes, with Satan make it plain. if he was able to kill Jesus in the garden. Yes, because the garden was not the goal. Ha! Huh? Jesus Christ of Bethlehem. Yes. The cross was the goal. Yes. Resurrection was the goal. Yes. So if I can get to Jesus in his prayer time and distract him from the assignment that I've got on his life, then Lamar is going straight to hell. So, 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 so the anguish, not only, not only do these drops of blood symbolize the anguish and the weight of the assignment that Jesus has to carry out, but it symbolizes the uh, literal amount of physical and mental stress that he is under because now he's got to fight with the devil all over again, all over again. in the garden. I said, this doesn't make any sense to me. How? How is it that sweat? And what happens is when your body is under so much stress, I did my homework, that your pores can literally become so dilated that your blood vessels will pop and open up and your blood now begins to mix with the sweat, the perspiration. Can you imagine being under that much stress and pressure? That your blood vessels explode and your pores open up so that your sweat becomes blood. And he did it. While I was yet in sin, he did it. When I didn't want to do right, he still did it. When I walked away from him, Jesus was obedient literally to the point of death. And he took away every excuse that I could ever come up with. Yes, 
Because if he could bear that burden for me, I have zero excuses. I have zero excuses. So what he's teaching us here, what he's teaching us here is even as when it seems like you're rock bottom and it has gotten to the worst that it can get, you still need to go to prayer. Doesn't matter how heavy the assignment is. Doesn't matter how hard the call on your life is. It doesn't matter what type of stress you find yourself under. You still got to get to prayer because if you can get to prayer, watch this. Even if your enemy shows up, you can still get prayed through. Whatever you're going with, Jesus desired to get to the cross so that the prophecies could be fulfilled, that we could have life even after death. This is why obedience matters. Jesus understood, I've got to get through this. Even if I'm alone, I've got to get through this. Even though I'm in pain, I've got to get through this. Even though it's uncomfortable, I've got to get through this. Even when I run out of answers, I've got to get through this. Even when I'm socially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually tired and to the point of exhaustion where I feel like I can't go on anymore, I've got to reach down and find something to help me get through this. Even in the valley, I've got to get through this. Even in Gethsemane, I've got to get through this. Even Ezekiel in a valley of dry bones, I've got to get through this. Even Jonah in the belly of a whale, I've got to get through this. Even Hebrew Israelites in the wilderness of Sodom, I've got to get through this. Look at somebody and say, I got to get through it. I got to get through it. I got to get through it. Got to get through it. I'm almost finished. He says, I've got to be obedient to this call. And in Jesus' obedience to this call, what he's literally teaching me is that no matter what I face in this life, I can make it. Look at two people and tell them obedience matters. Obedience matters because there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day where I question if God is really for me. But I read somewhere in the eighth chapter of Romans that if God be for me, who can be against me. Jesus teaches me here in the garden that obedience is better than sacrifice. Because in my obedience, watch this, God will honor my obedience. It's in my disobedience where I displease God that he is forced to take his hand of protection off of me. And so in my disobedience, I might find myself in an unnecessary storm. It's in my disobedience that I might find myself dealing with an unnecessary illness. 
it's in my disobedience where I might find myself dealing with unnecessary trouble. And it's in those times of disobedience where God has to take his hand of protection off of me. But if he's going to lift his hand up off of me, I want him to do it in my obedience. Because every once in a while, obedience means that I might have to get rid of some clothes, some shoes. Obedience means that I might have to forfeit some meals or some money. Obedience means that I might have to stay up a few more hours to get done what God has for me to get done. But look at somebody and say, obedience matters. Obedience matters because it is in obedience that I'm not just honoring what God has called me to, but I'm honoring God. And my obedience says to God that not only am I good enough for the assignment, but it means that I trust him. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Obedience to God means that I may not like what you're asking me to do, but I trust you. <laughs> Obedience means I might not like the road that I'm on, but I trust you. <laughs> Obedience means that I might have to deal with some situations that make me uncomfortable, but I trust you. <laughs> Look at two people and say, I trust him no matter what I'm going through. <laughs> I trust him no matter what I'm dealing with. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The cross might get a little heavy sometimes, but I'm still going to trust him. The cross might be a little bit too much for me to bear, but I'm still going to trust him. Every once in a while, I'm going to feel like giving up and throwing in the towel. But if I can just look back over my life, and remember how he brought me through the last storm. And remember how he healed me the last time I was sick. And remember how he delivered me from the last addiction. And remember the last time that he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And remember the last time that when he didn't do it for me, he did it for somebody else. And because he did it for somebody else, I can trust that he'll do it for me too. And I'm so glad that over the last three weeks, I have been able to remember the importance of, of, of obedience. Obedience says, I will heal you when you should be sick. Obedience says, I'll pay your bills when there's no money. Because you sowed a seed two years ago that you thought that I forgot about. But I haven't forgotten all about you just yet. Obedience says, it might take you 25 years, Abraham but I'm still going to keep my promise to you. Obedience says it might take 40 and two generations, but I'm still sending you a Savior. Look at two people that say obedience matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. You might find yourself in Gethsemane, but obedience matters. You might find yourself all alone, but obedience matters. You might find yourself on your way to crowd Calvary, but obedience matters. You might find yourself rejected and dejected, but obedience matters. You might find yourself ready to turn back to an old lifestyle, but obedience matters. Obedience matters. And Jesus, watch this, Jesus eliminates 
any excuse that you could ponder up in your mind. I'm tired. That's what the disciples said. Could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Your sin. Make it plain. Make it plain. You worked eight. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was a good place to be quiet. <laughs> worked overtime. Can't pray for an hour. Went down to Regal, AMC. Movie town. Stay wide, awake, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed for a two-hour and 47-minute movie that you didn't even like. Got all the way to the end of the movie and said to yourself, this was a stupid movie. But can't pray one hour. Went to your favorite restaurant after church. Your wait's going to be 45 minutes, but you want to eat there so bad, you waited 45 minutes, eyes wide open. Can't pray for one hour. Can I, can I, can, can I, can, can I say, can I say this? Can I say this? Pastor sure did preach long today. <laughs> Don't understand the word. Make it plain. Make it plain. I was done three minutes ago, so that really only puts me at 32. Make it plain. Make it plain. I time myself every week, so if y'all got something to say, I got records. I got receipts. I know most of y'all ain't got but 15 minutes worth of attention span. Anyway, praise God from whom all blessings flow. But, but can't pray for one hour. We talked about this at Bible study. We talked about if God required a tithe of our time every day, it would be 2.4 hours. 24 hours, move the decimal, 2.4. His question to them was, could you not stay with me for one hour? What he was really saying was, y'all my boys, y'all my friends, y'all supposed to be right there with me. But when I needed you the most, some of you have been there. Some of you have had to question who's in your corner. Because watch this, when the shoe was on the other foot, you were there. That's what this was. Jesus was there for them all the time. And when he needed them the most, one hour they couldn't even give him. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How much does obedience mean to you? Y'all can stand, I'm finished. Because sometimes what he's asking me to do, I don't want to. I did not want to be a preacher. Catch me on the right day. I'm still like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I didn't want to be nobody's pastor. I got too many of my own faults. I'm a pastor to anybody. I didn't always want to sing, play. God said, well, if you don't do it, who will? You know, I had an answer. I had an answer. I said, I said, there's seven, seven billion people on this planet, Lord. Listen, God's got a plan. It was God's plan. 
You couldn't find nobody else. But, but, but here's the good news. Watch this. Watch this. Here's what I had to realize. There's 7 billion people on this planet, and he's still, out of 7 billion people, said, I need him. As messed up as he is, as much, as, as crazy as he is, as many wrongs as he's going to commit, as many sins as he's going to fall into, as many times as he's going to say, no, I'm calling him. They rejected him, but I'm calling him. They told him no, but I'm calling him. They said he was unqualified, but I'm calling him. They turned their backs on him, but I'm turning my face to him. He thought enough of me. Can, can I tell you the good part about that? God's no respecter of persons. He thought the same way about you. I still think I'm his favorite, but, you know, just my opinion. It's just my opinion. And I don't say that out of his love for me, but I say that out of his love for me. Because he showed his love for me. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. When I was doing what I wanted to do Saturday night and was right on the piano Sunday morning, right at the drum Sunday morning, standing at the door. Sunday morning. Hadn't even brushed my teeth from the night before. Come on, somebody. Y'all, okay, okay. They, they sanctified out there. And, 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 and without telling all my business, Saturday night, shoot, there was some Sunday mornings. Tell your neighbor. Where the last thing I should have been doing was, was, was serving in the church. Should have went in the door and laid on top of the communion table. Y'all won't say amen. I ain't talking about Saturday. I'm talking about finishing up Sunday morning. So that's how I know he loves me. Because he kept me. When he should have said, you know what, I'm done. I was unkeepable. I was unlovable. You talk about a hard head. Great, God from Zion. You talk about stubborn and stiff-necked. I, I, when I read the story about the Israelites, I say, oh, that them sound like me. Yet God, with his unmerited favor, looked down into 2023 and said it. If I don't keep him, he's not going to get this word out. And yeah, I couldn't give this word to anybody else. But watch this. There's only a certain audience that's going to hear it from him. And if he doesn't make it, that audience is not going to get the message I need them to get. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You got to know your audience. And, and, and let me say this. This is free. I'm finished. This is free. Just because they're in the room with you don't mean that's your audience. I've been in some rooms with people. Watch this. You've heard me tell this story, I think. On the Sunday I was ordained. Make a plan. Church full of people. Make a plan. 
and I knew at least a quarter of them were there to see me fall. They were in the room, but they weren't my audience. Church leadership. It wasn't nobody but God that I, that I didn't find out what I eventually found out earlier because, you know, I ain't always been saved. Sometimes I forget. Because sometimes the Lord will keep information from you to save your witness. Because if I knew what I didn't know, it would have been a whole different service. It would have been a whole different type of consecration. There'd have been some oil. <laughs> It'd have been for a different reason, though. Praise the Lord. Y'all pray for me. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Listen. <clears throat> I told you about a man named Jesus. Knowing his name is one thing. Knowing him is a whole other thing. If you desire to give your life to him today, if you're in the room, just lift your hands. If you're, if you're watching online, if you're watching online, if you're watching online, just give me a thumbs up. If you're watching online and you wish to give your life to Jesus today, you might ask yourself, why? Why should I give my life to Jesus? Because he gave his life for you. Because he loved you enough that while you were still out there in the world, he was right there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. All you got to do is open up. All you got to do is open up and let me in. I could take this door down. I could come in on my own, but I, but I want you to accept me. I don't want to force this thing on you. I want you to accept me. Jesus is the one that keeps you. When you're ready to give up on everything, Jesus is the one who sustains you when you're exhausted of running this Christian race. Will you give your life to him today?